Hi guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, future is lily white. Come on, you Spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 10, Episode 10. I'm Jack. I'm SD. I'm Jay. And it was Tottenham Hotspur 2, Manchester City 0 at the weekend. And we're going to spend a lot of today's podcast going back and reviewing that game Pretty much going through player by player because I think everybody's just sort of blown away about how well everybody played. Um, but before we do that, why don't we just talk a little bit about the the performance and the result? I mean, we've beaten City at home again. We've stopped them playing again. We've kept a clean sheet against them again. It's just, I mean, we just seem to have a bit of a winning formula against them at the moment, and it must be infuriating from their point of view because it just feels like we've had that the same game over and over for the last three or four times we've played them. But, I mean, what a fantastic result for us. It, it was... It it never felt out of control. Never. It it was just such a good performance from everyone, wasn't it? There was just no one who didn't perform. Um, there, there's players who were better than others, but I, it's rare that we see a Tottenham game against a top-half opposition where we are in just total control. You know, not just some bits of control, total control. And I love it. Yeah. And, and you know, possession. And we, we saw it count, countless times on, under Pochettino where we had all the possession, but none of the control. Mm. And 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 that and and the, the, the latter part of that equation was was us. I think I think we are undoubtedly a bogey team for them. I think we've enough times in the last decade to count as a bogey team for City. Um, and and and, they, and they've been on the, on the wrong end of some really unlucky results as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the Champions League. I mean, we 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 didn't have any right to win that second <laughs> ridiculous game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so 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 with 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 that in mind, I, I would argue this was the most convincing uh, win over our most convincing win in recent years mm. over Man City. Um, at, at no point, you know, to to AC's point, did we look. Like we were excessively stretched, and that 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 just it was almost it was almost it, it was like poetry watching the way they all covered each other, the the positions and the space they occupied. They every player knew exactly the positions that they were going to cover, um, at the space they were going to they were going to work into. Um, arguably, it was zonal, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, and 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 so much creativity in our own half as well um to 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 i think i think the tackles so some some of some of the footwork in the tackles was just incredible oh, yeah even the the players who who've got it in their heads with who've got a mistake in them but serge and reggie who both love diving in can serge on can get on the wrong side they will go player by player but they played every single player played fantastically well i was just trying to think of a, a, the last time we played like this and i'm thinking maybe that dortmund game in the champions league where you know in the champions league run where we won was it two or three nil yeah the other game that springs to mind with that is 
Remember when Chelsea won the league and we beat them 2 0 at White Hot Lane and Delhi scored those two identical headers? Oh, yeah, Ericsson like, Cross. That, that, that was like one of the highest quality games of football that I'd ever. There were, there were two mistakes in 90 minutes from both teams. Yeah. And both got punished and it was just it was just perfect. Um, there was a brilliant quote from Jose, um, which I saw on social media today, which was a journalist saying to him, Man City had 80% of the ball for the whole game. And Joseph said, that's fine. They can take the ball home. I'm going to take three points home. <laughs> so <laughs> shutting them yeah. down. He oh. must love doing that to Guardiola. And I, it I don't know. so satisfying for him beating Pep, and, but beating him like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Let's let's go through let's go through player by player then. So let's let's start with the goalkeeper. Um so Esty, I know you've got the, the player ratings there. So what what are the what was the official rating for Hugo? Uh oh, <laughs> give me a second. One, one, you one, tell one, me what your um... one more time one more time the official rating. What was that? Um, <laughs> look, I, you... the interesting the interesting thing for me was is that Hugo didn't really have that many saves to make. Uh, he, he made a brilliant save right at the death at 2-0 um, at from a set piece. Where I, I might have been Laporte maybe who headed it from about five or six yards and it was just pure reflexes and that was a brilliant save. But, you know, right. he, didn't, he didn't have that much to do, but you have to compliment goalkeepers on performances like that because he was, he was happy to have an under-the-radar game. You know, yeah. if we think back to Gomez, you know, who just couldn't have a quiet game, like he had to get involved. Like Hugo clearly at the weekend was just happy commanding that back four and getting everyone into position and then when he was called upon rarely um he was able to make the save so uh, you know excellent. He, he caught things that's the big difference for me he caught things he could have punched and i think that made a massive massive difference he uh he got an eight in the standard there, there was a there, there was an instagram post earlier in the week dedicated to hugo just barking instructions mm. at the back love him and shouting a lot um, in corners, and I think I think that 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 we don't hear, we just don't hear with crowds. Yeah, uh, and and cameras just don't pick that up. I think uh, he's having his best ever season for us. I'd I really agree do. with that. I'd agree, but I think we we no longer play to his weaknesses. Mm. I mean, he's not asked to do a great deal with the ball at his feet anymore, and it's yeah. like that was always the area that was questioned with him. It was like he's not great at playing out, and he would. It would create a lot of problems for us trying to pick out passes to fullbacks when it just it wasn't really on. So I think he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. He seems to have cut out a lot of his high profile errors, which has always been a bit of an underlying thing for him. That in a big game he'd just make a blunder or do something crazy, and he hasn't done that since Jose's been in, from what I can remember anyway. So I think that I don't know if it's if it's the Jose factor or if it's just the season where he's just completely matured as a goalkeeper. Um, but I'd agree. I think this is the best season that, that he's having for us, hands down. And I think eight out of ten is probably fair for the weekend because he didn't have to have an absolute worldy game, but he was very, very good at what he was asked to do. This is entirely Jose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Po- Pochettino wanted to play the game his way, and and try try to get the get players to improve to his level, and play the game his way. And I think the jo- Jose, the difference with Jose is he is recognising the positives and the frailties in every player and getting them to and getting the best out of each each and every one of them. And I think that's that, that's a subtle but really important difference for me. Can I, I? I've been thinking a lot about this. And there's a quote from The Art of War by Sun Tzu, uh, the, the, the classic of sort of 
business leadership and just war strategy. And uh, it's brilliant. And one thing he says is it is the unemotional, reserved, calm, detached warrior who wins, not that hothead seeking vengeance and not the ambitious seeker of fortune. Now, it's not to suggest that Pochettino was a hothead seeking vengeance or or the ambitious seeker of fortune, but he was far more emotional and far, mm-hmm. relied far more on motivation. Whereas Jose, you can see, is far more reserved, calm and detached than we've ever seen him yeah. or one of our managers recently, really. And I think we're, we're paying back. And that's why I can see us playing that type of game against Liverpool, against Arsenal and coming out with three points in all I of them. I think what you say about Jose, the most interesting thing for me is if we think back to Jose when he first came on the scene with Porto and then got his move to Chelsea, is he was an incredibly emotional manager then. Yeah, and yeah. he did rely a lot on motivation. And you, you think yeah. back to the success he had with Chelsea and the relationship that he had with the core players there. That was an extremely emotional relationship. So it's like he's almost changed, hasn't he, as, as, yeah. as, he's, as he's got older and, and developed in his career. But, um, yeah, no, look, look, love him. I was so excited when we appointed him. And I'm just pleased that he's he's getting the balance at the moment of defending against the bigger teams, letting them have the ball, but being making us a weapon on the break. Mm. And it's like... I'm fine with him playing like it's it's a it's catch twenty two because I'm fine with us playing like that against the big teams when we win. But the difficulty will be if we'd have lost two 0 at the weekend and played like that, it would have been frustrating because we'd have said why didn't we take the game to them? So I think at the moment he's getting the balance right because we just look so devastating when we counter attack that I just think that I, I go into every game now being like I know we're going to score at least two goals. Like that's just that that's almost like a guaranteed for me now. And if it's like an hour and it's nil nil, I'm thinking what what's happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's testament that's testament to him definitely. I mean, same. Interestingly, against Burnley and Brighton, who sat back against us, we had to take the game to them. Mm, it's yeah. Internal balance, um, and we just about managed to get one against yeah. both of those. Yeah. Um, or two, um, and a late winner. Um, but 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 should we go player by player? Yeah. Let's yeah. Next one, Serge Aurier. Yeah. From, I mean, for me, he had his best game ever in a Tottenham show. And we've said that recently a few times. And Jay, you said something on the group. He's yeah. our best right back. And yeah. I find it hard to disagree with that at the minute. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 undoubtedly, undoubtedly. And he just, he, 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 and the minute he actually gave away a free kick, didn't he, to Sterling. Um, and we went, here, that, that, that's the howler. Goal incoming. <laughs> And we, we, we looked so, so solid from that free kick. But but that, that was his only slight mistake. Um, but he was always uh, in, in line with that, with, 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 with that right post, um, made a number of really key blocks um, and, and simple blocks getting tight. Again, we're just keeping it simple for him. All the stuff he usually does wrong, things like being on the wrong side of the player or not even goal side of the player. He didn't do. He didn't slide in stupidly. I think he covered brilliantly. And there were times when they doubled up on him and he, he bossed it. There were, there's a few highlights where uh, he got doubled up on by Torres and De Bruyne and he dealt with it and he dealt with it fantastically. I think he, he had an absolutely fabulous game and I'm sorry for everything I've ever said. There was clearly tactical play to defend that right side. So Sun, you know, in the first 10 minutes was tucking right into that right right corner. Uh, Sissoko was obviously tucked right in there as well. Um, so, so to fight them man to man while they were committed to that right side, because they, they, you know, for, for for any side in the next two or three weeks, um, 
surge is going to be a weakness they try to exploit. Yeah, I think the thing for me is, so I agree what you've said about Aurier this season. Like he's, he's been very, very good. I think for me, it's an example of he's a player that needs competition. And I liken it to Trippier. He was exactly the same. Like I think when we got we first brought Trippier in and he, he was battling with Walker every week and you were never quite sure who was going to start. And whoever did play was always at their best. And I think last season, we knew it was going to be Aurier every single week playing. He didn't have any competition. All of a sudden, we brought Doherty in and he's thinking, God, if I don't play well, I'm going to be out the side. And he's really raised his game. And I think, I think in a weird way, he, he, he strikes me as a player that's quite suited to squad rotation. You know, you get others that, like Ben Davis, for example, it's like he needs five or six games before you start to see him playing really, really well. Because I think Aurea is the opposite. I think Aurea, you can you can bring him in for a couple of games, then take him out, and it, he's not affected by it at all. But, I mean, look, I'm just, I'm not going to get too carried away with him because I think some of the mistakes and the errors that he does, he will always do. But the same yeah. way that Carl Walker, you know, is exactly the same. Like, And just to quickly talk about Carl Walker... It, it's just it is so dumb, like he's so dumb with his defending. I thought the City fullbacks, it was such a stupid. Like my Saturday league team wouldn't defend Tottenham like that. You know what we're gonna do? Like it's obvious. Kane goes deep, the wide men run out to in, so your fullbacks have to tuck in to make a back three. It's like it's it's not it's not difficult to know what we're gonna do. It can be hard to stop it, but the, it looked like City just had no idea. They looked like they'd never played against Tottenham before and they didn't know who we were. And it took them an hour to realise how we were playing. Um, yeah. But Aurier, excellent. Really happy with him. Like, I'm, I've been the first to criticise him when he's had bad games. But, it, you know, he was excellent. And he's been very, very good and consistent this season. So, long may it continue. Yeah. Who's next? Next is who is the joint player of the game, man of the match. Toby Alderweireld, who was magnificent. I mean, it's, it's difficult to say he was perfect against... Because he's, what, 33 now, 34, 32 maybe? He's getting getting older. And he he was playing against the front six of some of the best attacking talent in Europe. And him and and Dyer, I I think we should talk about them together. They were both magnificent. Magnificent. Stayed on their feet, blocked when needed. We we made City play balls into the box. And they're just a bunch of midgets. They're just a bunch of overpaid midgets. Mahrez is, is, is poor. But he is an overpaid midget, and there's nothing wrong with being a midget. And like, if I was overpaid, I'd love it, but probably am. Yeah. But the um, they we we made them, res- and this isn't Toby or or Eric Dyes. Uh, uh, it's not what the work they did. But if you're gonna play balls into Jesus against Toby and Eric Dyer, like lofted in, they're gonna win that all day long. But they played with everything along the floor. I thought they were magnificent. Again, some of the best work I've ever seen either of them do. I think they're just a nice combination because I think that Toby's obviously a fantastic reader of the game and maybe isn't the most vocal centre-back, but you'd probably say he's the closest thing to like a complete modern-day centre-back as there is. He maybe lacks a little bit of pace, but um, that's probably why the weekend suited him because we were were probably sat five or ten yards deeper, so we didn't have to worry as much about the balls being played in behind him. And I think Dyer is is a warrior, isn't he? He's aggressive, like he likes the the aggression and the nastiness and the physical side of the game. So, you know, encouraging a team that's got a small centre forward to put balls into the box, like he must have been absolutely loving it. Um, I think that they're a a partnership that, you know, for me, they're the best choice partnership that we've got. I think that they complement each other the the, the most. The only thing that worries me a little bit is the lack of mobility. But against the 
the bigger, more clinical sides, we're going to probably sit in, so it shouldn't matter quite as much. Yeah. Um, I'm just pleased to see Dyer getting a run in the team, getting the recognition and all of that, because you know anybody that's listened to this podcast knows that I've, I've, I've always liked him. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, really pleased for, for the pair of them, and I think that that will be the centre-back pairing for at least the rest of this season. Yeah, the the uh, difference... Okay. No, Sorry, no mistakes. No mistakes. Um, they they just had each other's backs. There was a self there was a self assurance about both of their displays, and 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 arguably for me, I think the moment of the match, part of the goals for a minute, the, the moment of the match, uh, Jesus was one on one with 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 our keeper, one on one, right on goal, ready ready to dink it in, and um, and Toby gets his le- somehow. Wraps his left foot around the ball and gets the ball from behind Jesus. Yeah. It's just outstanding. You do get the feeling that both that them two in particular, like this season, have really enjoyed defending. And yes. that might yeah. sound weird, but like you know, sometimes you watch back fours or centre halves and you think, do you actually enjoy sticking your head on the ball and making blocks? And it's like you get the impression that this season that that like they're high five and if they make a good block, do you know what I mean? It's like they're pumped up by a good bit of defending, the same yeah. way that Kane and Son are if they score. And it's like I think you have to have that willingness to put your body on the line and suffer, but if you're going to stop a goal. And I definitely get the feeling that probably the whole team, to be honest, now is getting more satisfaction out of playing like that and keeping clean sheets. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. A, what, me, what you, go on. The big difference with Dyer is now he looks like he wants to play a centre back. Like, because there's before he always talked about how he wanted to be a midfield. And now it sounds like Jose's gone in and said, look, mate, you, you can be our first choice centre-back and, and lead us to the Premier League title. Go and do that. Go he's and boss it. He's never been a midfield. Like, he's, like, I know he had that good six months when he was in there, but you've got to remember he was playing next to Moussa Dembele. And it's like, you could put most amateur central midfielders next to Dembele and they would look pretty decent. Exactly. And it's like, I'm not saying that he wasn't good when he was in there, but he's just, he's never for me had the ability to take the ball on the half turn. And if you're playing central midfield, if you can't do that, you're no good there. You've got to be able to receive the ball like that. And it's like, he's he's never been comfortable doing that. I still think that there might be the odd game where we see him go into the central midfield, like against sides where we know it's going to be aggressive. We know it's going to be a battle if we've got injuries. But for me, he's always been a centre-back. Like just yeah. It's just like physically, like he's got the frame of a centre-half. He, he's got a good passing range, but when he's when he's pressed is not quite as comfortable on the ball. And yeah. again, when he's played central midfield, when teams have got bodies around him, he, he's always looked like the player that they're going to nick the ball off. Yeah. Whereas at the back, you just get that little bit more time um, to be able to showcase your passing. But I think he's come on he's come on leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds this season. And I'm, I'm really pleased that we've got a solid centre-back pairing again. Yeah. Next, uh, so Toby got nine, Eric got eight, obviously. Reggie, I think he was brilliant. Yeah. Didn't let Mares get past him once, and obviously he's got a free ham out of it from uh, if you've seen that <laughs> post on from Spurs. See, so he's got a free Iberica ham. But it's a bit uh, like uh, I remember that I was speaking to a Romanian over here, and I was trying to I was trying to think of where they could get Romanian food, and I, she was like, "I don't want Romanian food. I'm from Romania. I didn't come over to London for Romanian food. Why are they giving him ham, jambon? Why does he want jambon?" Give him fish and chips. Yeah. It's like the French, aren't they? They just want to eat Spanish and French food wherever they go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was brilliant. He's, again, one of his best games for us. Tireless. He's so yeah. quick. But there's sometimes where he defended the best I've ever seen him defend as well. I thought he really showed off his range. He's yeah. a game changer. 
Say it again. I was going, he's a complete game changer for me, Reggie, since he's come in. Like He's given us a dynamic from left back that we haven't had for three or four years. Yeah. And it's like to have that, to have a player that can carry the ball 50, 60 yards at pace, which he does time and time again, yeah. is is brilliant. And because he's so quick, and it's the same with Aurea on the right-hand side, like if you want to then press teams really high, they've got the recovery runs. And mm. that's the problem with Davis. And that was the problem with Rose. When his legs went, he just wasn't able to get back. But I think Reggie's been a real masterstroke signing and has just given us something completely different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't liken him to any any player we've ever had in that position. No. Mm, I agree with that. I mean, he's up there with Ashley Cole for me. He, he reminds was... me a lot of Robertson of Liverpool. Yeah. Just the way well, the way he goes forward, and it's like he doesn't have he doesn't have like skills as such. He just runs past people because yeah. he's so quick. Yeah. Like he yeah. must be horrible to play against. And he does it for ninety minutes as well. It's like yeah. he's almost got like an engine that that never tires. It's it's it's, it's brilliant, absolutely yeah, brilliant. That, that's the thing, his energy. But Tony Walker, because he's so big, and I'm not saying it's steroids, but there's a reason he's probably going bald. Um, but he his bulk means that his uh, allegedly uh, his bulk means that it takes him a few steps to accelerate. Whereas Reggie, it's like he's got naught or 20 miles an hour and there's yeah. nothing in between and so it, it's just gone in a flash he's got he looks like he would be a bit psycho you yeah. know what like he yeah. would just be a bit he's killed mental. a man yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like if he's out with your mates and you, you, you're out in Nando's at like 10 o'clock you just go let's do press-ups you know like they, they just start doing press-ups by the uh by the by the soft drink machine just well, he, he's the guy he's the guy that you on a night out goes missing for four hours but then turns up with you as if he's never been anywhere yeah he doesn't even know where he's been <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and, um, and, and he's 23 he's going to get quicker faster stronger uh, i think i think more and more brutal <laughs> i just want to see our fullback we've talked about both fullbacks and and the thing that the thing that characterizes for me Robertson and Alexander Arnold is the early delivery. The early diagonal delivery. The centre forwards know it's coming, they run in, no one no one's expecting it. And and you just want you just have to watch Liverpool Leicester again to see Robertson deliver that ball time after time. I'd like to see our fullbacks deliver that. Mm. But but Sir didn't have to go forward. I didn't see yeah, I didn't I, see Sir really carry the ball out the way well, the way no. Reggie did. And when Reggie carried the ball out, it, it, they, they were at sixes and sevens. They really were. Right, next player, uh, who for me is the better. I've just been going back through our signings, and I can't think of a better signing since we signed Toby in 15-16 for the same amount of money from the same team. For 14 million, we signed Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, who was mesmerically good. We haven't had a better player than him. It, this is the problem. I go, he must be the best player in our team. Because and then I go, I see something. Go, he must be the best player in our team. And then I see Kane. But Hoiberg was unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. He's a very, very good player. He just, he's one of these guys that I don't think individually he he is the best at anything. I think he's just he's a seven out of ten at everything. Um, and he really understands football. Like he knows what his role is. He knows where he needs to be all the time. Like you very rarely see him caught out of out of position. He doesn't give the ball away. He wins his 50-50s. Like he's good in the air. He's strong. Can get about the pitch. Like he's really everything you look for in a holding midfielder. Um, it's just I, I know on our WhatsApp group I likened him to Wanyama, but some but it's Wanyama that's good with the ball. Like, he, he can play, can't he? He's not just a destroyer. It's like, he'll go and win the ball back and then he'll play a, a ball through the lines into the centre-forward's feet. 
he's been he's been very very good um it almost worries me like how good he has been because if he gets an injury or suspension you know, yeah. I'm just thinking god we'll really miss him if he's not there um but another great performance and i think there was some stuff on social media of his heat map where he was literally all over the pitch like it was that yeah. like, was he covered every blade of grass it was just it's exactly what you want out of a central midfielder we know yeah two-thirds of the earth is covered by water the rest is covered by Hoiberg, right it's um <laughs> well isn't it something before that game 75 percent of our goals this season so far have come from a Hoiberg interception tackle or pass yeah if if that is the case that's unbelievable yeah. i think that that's a really telling statistic because for me that's like not only it doesn't he's not like a scott parker who wins it and then he's like looking where's a five-yard pass where i can just give it easy yeah. he'll win it and then he'll be thinking how can i put somebody through like and, and that's what he does it's like he'll win the ball back and then it's a forward pass straight away and it's like his his passing is really like what you could expect out of like a Harry Winks type midfielder. Mm. Like get on the ball and dictate it and go for it. Um, he's it, been he's been brilliant, and I think as well like we forget that he got a lot of criticism after his debut when we lost one nil to Everton. He was at getting absolutely slated as like why have Spurs gone and bought him? Like it's a really strange sign and he's not good enough. Since then, he's he's been argued, well, he's been our best midfielder, hasn't he? Definitely, yeah. and he's been one of our best players this season for sure. Hitting shoulders. Next player, Musa Sissoko, got an eight, same as Hoiberg. I don't think that's fair, but I think he he did a lot of stuff you wouldn't have seen, just running and running and running. It's the perfect game for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he won a lot of really really clever ball as well. Mm. He yeah. had a good game, shielding the ball, doing the easy stuff. He he was he was doing what Hoiberg was looking for the forward pass. Sissoko never did, never mm. does, and doesn't need to. Mm. Well, I do think that he does bring a slightly different dimension when we want to play on the break in terms of he's not a good passer of the ball, but like Reggie, he can he can get the ball and he can run 40, 50 yards with it and just yeah. gets up the pitch. And there's there's so many times when we play like the way we played at the weekend where you just need to get out your half for five minutes. Like just to have a breather, and Sissoko does bring that. Um, and again, I think he's another one that he understands what his role is, and he strikes me as somebody that like that loves a game like that. You know, he's saying about the defenders enjoy defending. Like he strikes me as a midfielder that's like all about being aggressive, winning the ball back, yeah, yeah. And just being a pain. Like he strikes me as a player that would get more satisfaction out of stopping somebody than he would like. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a defender. Yeah. Right. Let's yeah. talk the next one. Tangi got an eight as well, which he says he did a lot of running, but I'm not sure he did loads of running. But I think positionally, right. he was very intelligent. His pass was obviously brilliant. The turn was took two people out and then the, the ball over the top was lovely the way he put curl on it. But there's a few times where he didn't chase his man that I thought, come on, you could put a bit more effort in. But I, he had a good game still. That pass for me is one of the best passes I've seen. Like it, I don't even know how he saw it because like at no at no point even in the build up is he even looking. No. Like I just don't know how he saw that pass. It's it's a ridiculous ball. It's like and, a golf yeah. shot and a snooker shot. It's got the golf dink, but a snooker curl as well because he did this amazing. He just swings his foot in like a big arc, and it sort of lumps over perfectly for Sun. Because as soon as he plays that ball, you're just thinking he's put too much on that. But it just holds like it is. It is a it's a ridiculously good pass. It's one of the best passes I've seen. Like I just I couldn't quite believe it. Just you see it and you think, 
how has he how has he played that pass? It was ridiculous. Like that that was would have been worth the money for that game alone just mm-hmm. to see that pass. It was unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. And and this this is this is why for me this brand of football that we're playing um, is as entertaining to watch, if not more so, than, than than the possession football, the high press. Um, and 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 the full pelt for every ninety that we that we got used to under Pochettino, it's as exciting, it's as fun to watch. Uh, we were speechless. It's uh, intelligent, isn't it? It makes you feel clever watching this because you know you can't understand everything that's going on. Whereas that IX game, you understood everything that was going on, right? It's it was it was emotion, it was crazy, it was end to end. Whereas this, you go, I have to spend some time with this, and I have to really understand all the systems that are at play here. Yeah. yeah. Next player. There's, Steve- lot, there's a lot of systems. Every 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 corner of the pitch has has a set of sequences, and every player knows their place in every single part of the pitch. It's just extraordinary. Yeah. Next player, surprise inclusion, Stevie Bergwijn got an eight here as well, which I think was is too high. I think he was yeah, our poorest performer on the day, but here they say he ran really hard on the counter attack, but. I don't know what he added, really, apart from being a body. I think he's I think very disciplined. Final, that, that, that final ball. So he, he'll, he can carry the ball out. Um, and on a couple of sprints, I think both occasions, Kyle Walker actually caught him, mm. which I was surprised at. I think he'd be fast. I thought he'd be faster mm. than Kyle Walker. Um, I think that's why he was picked over Lucas Mora, because I think he's he looks quicker. Um but uh, on both occasions he was he was caught. Um, but but I think I think he still needs to find that final ball. Yeah, I don't, disagree, I don't disagree with that. I think for me, it, it, defensively, I think you, you're basically saying it's between him, Lucas Moore, or Bale, right, to play up that other side on the yeah. counter attack. And I think he's the most defensively disciplined of the three. Like he's going to be the one that you can get 65 to 70 minutes of constant tracking back, tracking back. It's yeah. like. We know Bale physically probably can't do it. Lucas Moore is an extremely unpredictable player, right? That's what makes him so brilliant is he can do stuff and you think, wow, but then he'll switch off defensively. And you think back to the West Ham game, um, I think it was on the second goal, the Sanchez own goal, where Lucas Moore completely switches off. And I think that is when you're playing City, you can't you can't do that for a second. And I think he'll have looked at Bergwijn and thought, you can give me an hour, and if we can be nil-nil or level an hour, then I can bring some of the more unpredictable players on and try and try and steal the yeah. game from there. Obviously, it worked out different and we got in front very early. But I thought that he did a lot defensively. Um, but I, I agree with what Jay said. I think he needs to, he just needs to be slightly more clinical in terms of the final third and, and play that final ball a little bit better. But, yeah. you know, he's got he's got the mindset for me of somebody that wants to put the work in and straight away that's fantastic that's it he's still a young man you look at how long it's taken tangy to sort himself out he's he's got time and he, he's obviously finding a place if jose believe trusts him to start yeah against man city then we'll have faith last two players young min song got an he got an eight as well scored a good goal should have scored two more really that first yeah. touch for that ball was was poor and uh, oddly poor and that pass he played for the offside goal should have been a shot i know it's unselfish and they've got should this partnership but yeah you can't really criticize unselfish he was incredible he ran so much yeah yeah and that that was that was the part of his game that we we often don't talk about mm-hmm. the, amount, the amount of time he tracked right back into that into that serge Aurier corner that right corner 
made himself a pain in the ass, uh, one ball back, um, as, alongside leading the line when yeah. he needed to. And and you're right, he should have shot instead of putting putting Kane in because he he can shoot, he can score that. Yeah. Um, just don't get why he he he, he didn't really. But another finish on the goal though, and, oh, and yeah. I know that I'm always very critical. Well, I have been critical in the past, not this season, about him not taking the decisive chances and like. That's another example of this season where a big moment in the game early on against City, first off, first ball involvement in the game, and he's put the ball in the back of the net. It might not have been the cleanest finish, but it doesn't matter. It went in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. just watching him and Kane is just, it's so, as a just as a football fan, it's so good to watch. Well, let's yeah. talk about Kane. Kane is just, I mean, he's the best player in the world. He has to be the best player in the world right now. He's just, he's so clever. Like, just his all-round plays. Just, like, there's nothing he hasn't got. Like, he's a complete centre forward. Have you seen the um, Jamie Carragher analysis of what he did? It, it came out about an hour and a half ago on on, from, on YouTube from Sky Sports, and he highlights when Kane bought fouls, where which were all legit fouls, and Harry could have stayed up, but he bought fouls and then put his team on board. And there's just so many elements to his game where you go, well, his passing, he's probably the best passer in the Premier League. Shooting, the most clinical shooter. Is um, his games not gamesmanship? Is his understanding of the game is the best it's intelligence, isn't it? Yeah, it's unbelievable. And he, he, he again, he didn't score. He deserves to be scoring thirty a season. He his assists should count for more because he he just makes this Tottenham team. He, we need to sign him up. Like have you seen the route? Like City want him now. Have you seen that? Guardiola's briefed the ball. But imagine you're um, you're Daniel Levy and you're going. I've got a bunch of oil billionaires. Who wants to buy our best asset? Let let him come, and he'll go right half a billion pound. He might be the world's first half a billion pound player because he's not going to go. Why would he go to City anyway? City are a mid-table team at the moment. They're, they're they pretty poor. Hmm? They don't win anything. They, that's it. He's, they're not going to win the Champions League anytime soon. They spent they've spent three hundred and fifty million. <laughs> and uh, and this is a manager that doesn't really respect the art of defending. It's just extraordinary. It's just extraordinary. You know, Jesus, Ferran Torres, yeah, no answers. They're, they're, no. they're all similar players. I don't think they're that great either of those two, Jade. If I'm totally honest with you, it's like, what was the front three, Jesus, Torres and Mares? Yeah, like, I'm a big fan. I like Mares. He didn't have a great game against us, but I think that was because we stopped him. But I look at that front three and I think that's not that great. Like, it's not a bad front three, but... You know, like our front three is head and shoulders above that. Yeah. Like, you know, even you'd, I think there'd even be a case that our like B team front three would be better than than what was out for them. I know normally Aguero and Sterling would be playing, but still, it's like I yes. just I don't fear City that much anymore. If I'm totally honest with no. you, um, I'm still scratching my head a little bit because I, I I still think that we're quite easy to set up against. That's my only concern at the moment. It's like logically for me. You know, if I'm setting a team up against Spurs, it's a back three, and you say to your three centre halves, one of you goes with Kane. When he drops deep, you follow him, but you follow him into his own penalty area if you have to, and then you've still got two centre halves, and your wing backs tuck in, so you've got a back four basically all the time to stop those balls in behind. And it was just a real head scratcher watching how City defended us because it's it's not it's not that complicated about how we play. It's very very effective. And, you, you know, there's an argument that it's like, you know what we're going to do, but is it even possible to stop it? That's a, I think that's a separate conversation. But I think it's I think it's quite easy to 
for me as to how you would set a team up to at least try to nullify Kane a little bit. And he always struggles with three centre halves because yes. it's three v one. So yeah. I just, I, I just, I don't know if it was arrogance from Guardiola about how they set up against us or, or just they weren't prepared. I'm, I'm not sure, but it was just very odd. It's complete arrogance. We're going to play our way because our way wins trophies. And at some point this season, someone at, at Manchester City uh, will, 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 if they haven't already, tap them on the shoulder and, and, and say, when, when's this going to change? Because it's not working. Well, they've just given him a new contract. And he's played the same football in multiple clubs. And it's always, we're going to have loads of the ball. And that's fine when you've got Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta and Messi. Because they... And, because they'll just score you goals, but and but here I just it's tired, and I think I think you can see teams like West Brom beating them, like anyone anyone who just packs the defence up and doesn't let them through. Like Kevin De Bruyne should be the best midfielder in the world, but he's just I don't think City play well for him. Uh, I, anyway, I do think as well just on Pep that you know when he came into City, he did inherit company. Fernandinho, David Silva and Aguero, who yeah. you would argue. And, they, and I think Pep is a brilliant manager. And for me, his style of football is the best style. Like I would I would absolutely love to support a team that has 75, 80% possession every week and it's past possible. I personally love watching that. It's my favourite type of football. But he inherited those players. Brilliant, brilliant squad. Got them playing an unbelievable brand of football. But like, I think the big question mark with Pep is his recruitment. Because if you look at the players that he's brought in across all of his reigns, Barca, Bayern, City, I think that there's a lot of question marks with, with the type of players that he brings in and whether or not they're good enough. I think he's a brilliant coach and he does get the best out of players. But I just look at City now and I think they've got well, they've got a brilliant goalkeeper. Their back four is very shaky mm. at best. Central midfield, I feel like you can get like Rodri, I feel like you can get around him and nick the mm. ball off of him and bully him a little bit. And then up from Aguero... Still a clinical player, but you know he, he's not—he's not like a cane. He doesn't get involved in link-up play and that. And I just look at them and think Sterling and De Bruyne, two brilliant players, but the rest of that side, yes. I'm not—I'm not sure. I think that they're in—they're in a period where they're going to have to have a massive rebuild now. Yeah. And it's like—it's not easy. It's not easy at all to do that. But fl- flip it round. I mean, for, for many reasons, Hoybier wouldn't have, wouldn't have made it onto onto their radar. Uh, that's despite that's despite Hoybier playing under Pep mm. at Bayern Munich, uh, but wasn't the marquee signing that that, that that they look for. But does Hoybier get drilled in a Pep side the way Hoybier gets drilled mm. under? Yeah, and I don't think he does because mm. it's not it's not in the the the, the Guardiola philosophy. No. It's not his, it's not in his brand of football. Arguably, his brand of football. Um, is is becoming outdated for the Premier League. Yeah, I, but I think that that, Jay, is bang on because I think now it's the Klopp style of football. It's the, it's the high energy. It doesn't always have to be a high press, but everything's done maximum energy, maximum intensity. Like teams now, if you think of Liverpool the last two seasons, right, they've been the best team in the Premier League by a country mile. They, I know the stats would probably say they have 65% possession or whatever, but you never watch them and they never go side to side, side to side, side. They get the ball and they they basically try to have a shot after two or three passes. That's their game plan. And that's what football's become now. It's just the speed of it. And the the question for Pep now is, does he evolve with it? Can his, can his team evolve with it? And I'm, 
I'm not sure if they can. Like, don't get me wrong. I still think that they're going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. But mm. I would be surprised if they went on to win the league from here. I'd be mm. very, very surprised at that. And that's the first time I've said that about City for, you know, a, a, a while this early into a season anyway. No way. It's not going to happen, is it, this season for them? I don't think. Like, I, I, at the, as it stands at the minute, I'd be like surprised if they finished above us. Like, I'd be like, they would even, they, I'd, I'd be like, they must have gone on an unbelievable run. Like, yeah. that's the only, because I can't see us going on like a 10 game really bad run. No. But well, I couldn't see them winning like 10 in a row. Like, I just, it's a very strange season. But if I was a City fan, I'd be a little bit concerned at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I tell you, just looking ahead, I've never looked forward more to a Chelsea game. Obviously, I'm tempting fate there, but I, I don't see them able to contain us I don't see where they're gonna find the gaps to beat us I really don't Chelsea mate Chelsea worry me if I'm totally honest um just because I think that for Jose there's a psychological thing there um we haven't got a good record against them at all in the Premier League home or away if we're being completely honest I know we beat them a few times at White Lane but not that often I think that it's, an, it's going to be a very interesting game because Chelsea have been touted around as, as title contenders because they're right up there as well, but they haven't really played anyone yet. Mm. And I think this is like the first big game for them. I think for us, the important thing for me is to go there and not get beat. And that might be a bit of a negative mindset going into it. But I think that this season, if we can not lose to a lot of the other top six sides, you're going to be right in the mix for the title. Um so for me, it's a case if you can go there and win, obviously incredible. But if you offered me a draw, I'd bite your hand off for that. I think we'll get like three. I think well, they'll get so we will set up similarly. They will not get through anywhere. Toby being out is a concern. Mm. You know, Rodon will have to. What a chance for Sanchez to come in though. Or, or Rodon potentially. Rodon, yeah. I mean, chance. I, he, Rodon must be starting. I know. He, he, What's the one he can't start? Is it the is it, is, is Luda Gretz, is it, that he can't? Is he not in the Europa League? That's it, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my only worry is height against if Sanchez plays. Against Tammy so, Abraham. Yeah, Tammy Abraham. Um, and that and that's the difference, really. Um, that, that's, that's the only thing I think we have to, we have to be, be worried about, um, thinking about a Chelsea over a Man City. I think the other thing for me is, and I agree that I think we'll approach Chelsea similarly, would be in those games, if we concede early, what what are we going to do then? And in a weird way, I'm like, I quite like to see that. Like, how are we going to respond to that? And that's my only sort of concern, isn't it? Because I think we look like we can hold teams and stop them scoring, but there will be certain games where we let an early goal in just because that's football. And I'll be interested to see how we bounce back from that. But, you know, with Ludogretz Thursday and Chelsea Sunday... If we get two, if we get two wins this week, I mean, we, Ludogorets is a big game though, and we mustn't overlook that because yes. the group, whilst it's of poor quality, is very tight. And mm-hmm. losing, we've already sort of had one dodgy loss in the group, and another one of those could put you in a bit of trouble. So I think first and foremost, it's important for us to win Thursday with our B side. Um, but then, if for, look for me, if we can go Chelsea and get a draw, I'd be delighted with that. I think I think what we've got to look to. Um, because we did get a draw against Chelsea in 90, over 90 minutes um, not long ago. Yeah. Um, and if you remember, if, if you cast your memory back to that game, um, I think the thing we all said on the WhatsApp group at half time is that we gave them too much respect. We stood mm-hmm. off them rather than try and win the ball back off them. 
because the minute the minute we started doing that in the second half, they crumbled. The mentality crumbled. And I think now they're in a different place. They have Kante back and Kante's back to his, dare I say, back to his best, running things in the midfield in the way Rodri was at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Kante's still got that ability, hasn't he, until he gets injured. Um, and um, in in Zuma, um, they've got they've got a transformed player who's not only keeping clean sheets, scoring as well. Yeah, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough, tough game. I think defensively, they. I, I, I sense they might be stronger um, than City, mm. and I think that, that that's the fundamental difference with Kante, Zuma, and Chilwell. Yeah. Let's not forget they've got an amateur manager as well, like who's coming up against the master of this yeah. type of game, and I. I, I he's going to hate to set up against Mourinho because he's going to go, what is he, what has he got in store for me now? Yeah. yeah. I, I like, I like, so, so if you think about the rhetoric around Sterling pulling out the England game, what that, what that did to Pep, in the end, Pep had to respond, didn't he? Yeah. And it, and it became about that. And I wonder what Jose, Jose must have something up his sleeve of that ilk. Just, just to put, Fat Frank off his stride. He's going to put praise on him. He's going to heap praise on him. I guarantee you will see him come out and go, he's an absolutely brilliant manager. He's one of the best players I've ever I've ever had. And then we'll go in and we'll just outdo them completely. I, I, you see, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more sort of the other side of it because I actually think that tactically Lampard's done Jose. In the three games they played, if, if you think back to last season, they beat us 2-0 at White Hart Lane. Um, I know there was the sun red card, but they played wing back Chelsea that day and we, we could not handle them at all. Um, we lost 2-1 then at the bridge as well. Similarly, Chelsea played with wing backs and we, we couldn't find a way to beat them. And then I know we've knocked them out the League Cup earlier this season, but, you know, there's a case to say there Chelsea come away from home, went 1-0 up, conceded a late goal, lost on penalties. You could say that they're a little bit unlucky. So I'm... I'm actually, I think Lampard's quite underrated from what he can do tactically. And from what I've seen him do against us and against Jose, um, I think the ball's more in Jose's court by like, how are you going to react to Lampard now? Because so I think he, he's, he's done him a little bit the last few times they've met. So I think that there'll be a lot to prove on both sides because neither of them will want to get beat. Lampard will want retaliation from getting knocked out of the cup. Jose will want to beat Chelsea because it's Chelsea. Um, so I think it will actually be quite an emotional game, even though both managers will downplay it. I think this will be one that they're both desperate to to win. OK. OK. I've got a Jose Mourinho quiz. Have you? I just prepared one. If you fancy having a go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what I've done is I've built a team, which is a 4-3-3 formation, of the players that have played the most games under Jose Mourinho oh, in his career. So what you've got to try and do is figure out in each position what, what player it is. So let's so, start. With... It, it, so, so like if, because he was at Ch- Chelsea for so long, like that counts, right? It's not percentages. It's just pure amount of games. It's pure number of games. So let me give you the first one. Right? So the goalkeeper is Petr Cech. Yeah. 195 appearances okay. under Jose Mourinho at, at at any point in his career. So he'd be the goalkeeper. So maybe let's start with the centre-halves. It's got to be Terry. Terry's won um, 266, but he's only the se- he's the second most 
and it like it's not like for oh Ramos. Nope. Not Ramos. Is it Ferreira? So Paulo Ferreira is in there. He's the most most played right back oh, with sorry. 211, but he's in there. Um, you got the right nationality. For Ferreira. The yeah. Carvalho. Ricardo Carvalho. Oh, good one, Jay. 292 games under Jose Mourinho because he had him at Real Madrid as well. Uh, I, I, think he, I think he had him. Think he had him at Porto a little bit as well when when he first uh, came through. He's, he's crunch hard for Harry. Yeah. Um, left back. Ashley. Not Ashley Cole. Ramos. No. Le- this guy's a, he's an actual left back. I'm not shoehorning a player out there. He's an actual left back. What team does he play for? Um, he played uh, for him at Real Madrid. Oh, oh, what's Marcella. his face with the hair? Yeah, Marcella, Marcella with the hair. Uh, yeah, 113. So I think he's actually the guy with the fewest appearances in this team. Then if we move to central midfield, so we've got three central midfielders. Fat Frank, Frank, Frank Lampard, 215. Yeah, uh, is Ronaldo? I guess it's going to be quite. Ronaldo, like... Ronaldo's late. Ronaldo's in the attack. Uh, Mikel or Essien or one of those. Uh, neither of them, but oh. you're thinking along the right lines. It's a Chelsea sort of defensive midfielder. I feel like I'm being stupid here. Yeah. It's, it's not Essien. Not um, the other one. Oh. Oh. Do your LG impression, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, one of the guys he had at Chelsea and at Man United. Oh, the, uh, uh, so the Serbian one, uh, Matic. Matic, Manu Matic, 159 appearances. And then next, cent- the next central midfielder is a Spaniard who he had at Real Madrid. Played in the played in the Premier League, but not under Jose. Oh, I know. Played for Liverpool. In the Premier Liverpool. League. What's his name? Alonso. No. With the beers. Yeah, Xabi yeah. Alonso. Xabi Alonso, 151. Had him at Real Madrid. So he's a key player in that Madrid side. And then if we move to the front three, so you've already you've already said Ronaldo, who would be the, the player off the left hand side. 164 appearances. He's got 168 goals in 164 games under Jose. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um centre forward. Centre forward. Didier Drogba. Didier Drogba, 186 appearances. And, and, and it will Robin. be Harry Kane. Huh? It will be Harry Kane. It will be Harry Kane. And then the guy that's on the right-hand side of midfield, he's not a, a right-hand-sided midfielder. He's a, really he's an attacking midfielder. He's a number 10, but I've had to shoehorn him out there. Robin? No, not Robin. No. He's a central creative midfielder. Fat, no, not Fab. Fabregas. Chelsea? No. no. No, currently plays in the Premier League, but isn't in the 25-man squad for his team. Oh, Ozil. Ozil. Really? Ozil, 157. You know, Ozil and Ronaldo, wasn't it, under Jose, which is the partnership was ridiculous. So that side was Petr Cech in goal, Paolo Ferreira, Carvalho, Terry and Marcelo, Xabi Alonso, Lampard, Matic, Ronaldo, Ozil and Drogba. Imagine that side. I mean, that's winning the lot. Well, it did, you know, his teams win the lot anyway, but that side is definitely winning the lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Decent quiz. Mourinho quiz. So I saw I saw another stat which which is worth mentioning that 
Um, a Jose Mourinho managed Premier League side in its second season by this time after 10 games. He's always really uh, apart from apart from when he managed which team United. Yeah, and they were second. <laughs> yeah, but he very rarely takes takes a job mid-season, does he? Like I think when he took out, it was only the second time he'd ever done it. He likes to yes. go in full pre-season, get the players he wants, and yeah. reaping, the, reaping the rewards of it now. Anyway, so yeah, so, think, so second season, second season, it, it, it is his golden season. Third season is when he starts to piss everyone off, isn't it? That's what I'll we're talking take, about. I'll take that. And then fourth season is when he's gone or end of the third. But I'll <laughs> take that. If you were to say to me, we'll win the league this year and then next year we'll fall apart and we'll be nowhere for the next decade, I'm fine. I'll, I'll be fine with that. Yeah. I just want to see us win. Yeah. I, I'm happy for us to win the league pretty much at any cost now. Except, right. except we won't. And, and, and right now, my, 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 my love for Mourinho is, is, is through the roof. I'd have him for the next five years. Yeah. We'll come back to this podcast in uh, two years' time when we're when we're all moaning about him. It's like, oh God, he's only won one trophy this year. It's not enough. Let's hope. Um, let's hope that we continue it this week and a win at the Bridge um, at the weekend would be yeah. absolutely massive for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the and yeah, Ludacris as well. But yeah, you, had, um, you seen Nicholas Pepe is going to be out of the North London derby. Apparently Spurs are thinking about appealing. Appealing the record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they're just... I know we don't like to talk about Arsenal too much, but I mean, they're... It's their team is so bad, though, isn't it? I still yeah. I still think Arteta's a good good coach, but their team is... It's the worst Arsenal team ever. Yeah. They're going backwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the FA Cup... The FA Cup has almost done them... Has, has almost counted against them because it's it's inflated their own sense of their own ability. Yeah. Um, it's given them a bit of Dunning-Kruger. It's made them think they're bigger than they are and better than they are. Um, and, they, and they're getting found out. 100%. And the fact, it was the fact that they were just like pleased with the draw at Leeds. I know they went down to 10 men, but I'm like, you please draw into a newly promoted side. Like, even with 10 men, it's like, well, like that's that where they're at. Sense. Villa performance. There's so much wrong at that club at the moment. I I cannot wait for the North London derby, and then we lose it four 0 Yeah, yeah. all comes off the bench somehow. Yeah. But look, the main thing this week: two more wins, and we'll be we'll be happy again this time next week when we're doing the pod. So, yeah, as DJ, pleasure as always talking to you, and it's even better when we're on this great run of results as well. So long may that continue. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening. I remember. Whatever happens, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realized until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain, and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola. 
Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.